right, all right, all right, all right, and welcome to yet another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show focused exclusively on Magic the Gathering Arena. I'm one of your hosts, Arjuna. I'm joined today by the other host, Kovac Go Blue, and Kovac Go Blue, happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, happy birthday to us. us. Happy birthday, happy dear Arena birthday Craft Podcast. Arena Craft Podcast cast. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to, to us. us. It's incredibly hard to sing with someone else over Zoom. So <laughs> <laughs> take that as you will, listeners. But great to see you, buddy. I, I might have been trying to throw, throw the match. I'm not going to okay. lie. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. I have to hide my singing abilities. <laughs> Paid actor. <laughs> or, Paid lack, actor. or lack thereof. <laughs> How you doing, man? Um, so, you have been doing this for a year. Yes, I have been doing this for a year, and you've been doing this for, you know, a little under a year. Maybe like yep. 80% of a year. And, mm-hmm. yes. So, first of all... I'm stoked. Before we go any further, I want to thank each and every one of our listeners, both present and past, for showing up, listening to the show. I want to share that we did actually, we hit a goal that I was hoping to hit before this episode was released, which is that we have officially been downloaded over 100,000 times on on our podcast platform. So Boom. Yep. So that's that's a big milestone. That's all because... Y'all rock. And just want to let you know, a little peel back behind the curtains, reaching a milestone like that in the world of podcasting is is it's pretty big. It's a big milestone. And to do it within a year releasing your podcast means that your podcast is, you know, in the upper upper echelon of successful podcasts. So thank you so much for all of you in the community who've helped make that happen. It's been an absolute pleasure serving you. I'm happy for you. I know that you're going to say it's a we thing, but I definitely didn't join for a few months. You, I listened to you since episode one, actually. I remember searching for MTG Arena podcast because there, no, there were a bunch of podcasts about events on MTGO and paper tournaments, but there was only one that I found focused on Magic Arena, and I remember the guests that you had on, and I remember a lot of the different shows and formats that you tried, and you were there week after week. This this smooth, smooth, silky voice uh, <laughs> full of Magic the Gathering. You, you have a curiosity to your presentation. Like, you're always... You're looking deeper into whatever part of the game that you're into, and it's a fun journey to go on. And so when you asked me to be on the podcast, I was excited. When you asked me to be a co-host, I was through the roof. It had been a goal of mine to be uh, a regular on a podcast or have a podcast about magic someday. So uh, it's, it's a big... It feels great to me, but I, I, I really... You know, I, I would tell you to go stand in the solo spotlight and take a bow if we were performing on stage, if that makes sense. Because you've put a lot of work into this, and it's been great uh, to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate that, man. I really do. And uh, and, and I love it. You actually you start to peel back the curtain on one of the questions that was submitted this week, which was the the origin story of how you and I met. So that's a, that's a fun one. We'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely get into that, but yeah, you know, suffice it to say, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you buddy. And, uh, you know, podcast just got like 
a hundred percent cooler once you came on it and so it's it's been a real pleasure been a real pleasure just making the climb together and so basically what this show is all about today is we are just going to celebrate the podcast and celebrate the community and the majority of what the show is going to be is just us answering the many 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 questions that have been submitted by our wonderful communities last i checked we had about six pages worth of questions <laughs> so i apologize in advance if your question doesn't get read on the show it's not because we don't love you it's just because we have a metric ton of them and we will we'll save them so you know for a rainy day we might whip out your question in the future so stay okay posted yeah it'll just you never know you better listen to every second of this podcast just in case yeah just on the off chance i'm just gonna spring him on cgb in the middle of him making a good point he'll be like waxing lyrical about how how great blue white is and i'll just like mm -hmm. boom yes right in the face yes uh blue white is great thanks for mentioning that so speaking of that let's let's talk for just a wee second about the zendikar rising championships before we get into it because something pretty special happened which was that a deck the the deck and the pilot who was playing in the final rounds of the tournament uh, it was really unexpected, and a deck that both of us had kind of poo-pooed on the way into the championship, and also a deck that is near and dear to CGB's heart. So CGB, how did it feel watching a Scottish Gandalf destroy the Zendikar Rising Championships undefeated in Historic with an Azorius Control deck? What was that like for you? Blue-white control. Oh my goodness. First of all, I want to say to everybody who's messaged me or said something to me about this, how like it actually tugs at my heartstrings that people watched this amazing competitive magic player, Brandon Barclay, dismantle the best players in the world with blue-white control. And you know what they thought? They said, I want to know what CGV thinks of this. I was like, people thought of me. I kept on getting messages and added on Twitter and DMs on Discord and like just all kinds of messages from people being like, did you see blue-white control? And to just be thought of in the same breath as blue-white control is all I ever really wanted in life. So it just hits me right in the feels. But to actually answer the question, of course, it was a beautiful moment. I, it didn't come with, like, it didn't come up without pings, like twinges of jealousy, because Brandon Barclay is the master of always had it. Mm, that's he really did have it an <laughs> he really lot. <laughs> always had it oh it was but, oh my gosh if if you watched it if you're like an aggro mage or a mid-range mage if you're somebody who hates control watching that must have been painful because especially when you can see both hands you're just like no no not again no, oh my gosh no. especially but, since uh, i will say in the final there was definitely a number of moments of autumn just really 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 not having it as well so yes that was that, that, that was kind that of brutal. painful you know yeah. i i can't like i can't hop on it too much because autumn also had some incredible top decks throughout the weekend like just top decking questing beasts for the win and stuff like that so you know that was against barclay right in, oh, in swiss in standard in it standard. was yeah <laughs> yeah he, and i watched that match and he was playing demir control in standard and i was like i i would not play it this way i was freaking out for him 
But you made up for all of it in, with the blue-white historic run. Yeah. Just, I, I can't believe it. I, I did I did see some head scratches on the standard side for him, but clearly, you know, he, he won the tournament, so it's not really up for me to <laughs> criticize his play. Oh, no, no. I, I, I think... I think it's very clear that no matter who you are and what talent level you reach, there will always be people watching you play going, oh my God, what are they doing? Absolutely. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's LSV and a bunch of uh, people who just got their first starter decks. You're going to get people saying, why not this? Why not that in chat? It, it's part of the Magic experience. It's part of the Magic Twitch experience. You can't turn it off. Um, it's, it, it's, it's just... Magic is so cool because it has so many options, so many different ways that you can play the game. There is expression of personality, even if people don't realize it. And yeah, absolutely, it's part of what's great. Absolutely. And one of the things I noticed about Barkley, the, the matches that I watched, was how aggressively he played Control. He was like kind of disgusting, though. It's like to be honest, <laughs> kind of the most aggro control mage I've ever seen. You know, he'd be like, he'd be like racing with Gruul. He'd be like, "All right, sweet, let's just get in there with my crawling barons and my sad robot." And you know, and I loved how there were just like these several matches. I remember this, you know, one key match against Autumn, where like Autumn's like resolving goblins and resolving the the horn and getting in there and stuff. And Brad's just like. You're dead in the air. <laughs> you know, like, Shark. I don't give a Shark. care about your goblins. Like, I'm munching on you. So that was that was a real pleasure, just watching him smash people down. <laughs> yeah, and I would say it's not even, like, the deck list was very classic. Very classic blue-white. The, the deck that if you had handed it to me, I would have been like, oh, I love this deck. But in Historic, there's too much of this and there's too much of that. And every deck has a value engine. How do you contain it? Didn't matter. No. Didn't matter just had it no just, just the answer is always have it just teferi absorb you know teferi absorb yeah. that's uh, what what else would you be doing in historic right so it was beautiful <laughs> it, it was beautiful it actually made me more um into historic to be honest i was like oh, maybe i could play historic and not have a miserable time this this could be good this could be good might just finally get you more of a, a mainstream best of three player perhaps no nope never gonna happen nope well moving swiftly on <laughs> before we jump into the questions i just wanted to take a moment to reminisce about some of my favorite moments on the podcast because it's been a really fun year doing this and so the first thing that I want to shout out here is a... I will say that one of my favorite traditions I've had on this podcast is trying to psych CGB up. You guys aren't privy to the things that are said before the podcast, but there's typically some kind of WWE shout out or some kind of guttural growling or just kind of something uh -huh. to something to get the mood going. But I have to oh, say yeah. some of my favorite moments on this podcast have been uh, making those intros just to like try to make your eyebrows raise. <laughs> I know you succeeded. <laughs> so yeah, that's <clears throat> that's been a big fun one. The, uh, one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far was the RO banning episode where we did the the news flash. Oh yeah, that was the, uh, the, yeah the oh, God. It was just like the inspired by kind of the, like the family guy just blood in the streets of people yelling at, like a, a hurricane was in town yeah exactly kind of yeah and uh i just thought it was a it was a good showcase of 
CGB's theatrical improv chops combined with Arjuna's audio editing props. And I just, I thought we pulled it off and I was pretty proud of that episode. There are people who are in me right now saying that we need more, more uh, breaking news episodes because of that. When there is news, we will, we will report it. Yeah, not in December, man. Yeah, not in December. The offices are empty. Exactly. <laughs> but we have a lot to look forward to if there's anything I've learned from magic. So, yeah. And then um, let's see, some other key favorite moments of mine. I will say that our ongoing showdowns on the, the Twitch have always been fun. I don't think that we've ever played a match against each other on stream that didn't have some kind of memorable something happen in it. And yes. so those those are those are some of my favorite moments, you know, getting having that epic shrines versus blue white blink matchup. That was that, that game was like half an hour. That was yeah. one game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. C- yeah. CGB one slash conceded at sixty nine life. You, you couldn't have scripted it, you know. Mm-hmm. Then there was also the uh, the mountain in the sideboard incident. What which... <laughs> what happened? I don't remember this. I, I've forgotten this one. Uh, which. Uh, you know what I realized? So I actually, to commemorate the incident, I wrote CGB a song and I shared it with him on on his stream. <laughs> and I actually think that I don't think anyone else heard that song. So I'm going to include it at the end of this episode. <gasps> no. <laughs> <laughs> so CGB has that to look forward to. So oh, yeah, make, make sure even, even if you're like, ah, I don't really feel like listening to the whole thing. Just fast forward to the end. Listen to this wonderful song that I wrote for CGB, which will tell you the whole story of how Arjuna managed to change a Simic deck into a Tima deck on stream. To, to great controversy, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. People wanted my head on a pike, man. It, it shows you're doing something well. <laughs> I, I try. You know, if there's one thing better than being like just a, a nasty crap-eating teamer adventure mage it's being a nasty crap-eating simic adventure mage who you didn't know is a nasty crap-eating teamer adventure mage (laughs) so yes can i say that uh quickly that one of my favorite things on the podcast was the aftermath of the mountain in my sideboard showdown where i do honestly feel that you and i with a little bit of competitive uh juices flowing did actually solve a format that nobody else that none of the other content creators it seemed like really tried to solve which was uh 2021 standard pre-zendikar rising standard that one month format on arena i think you and i broke it i still do i agree i agree i think we were really the experts on that format i think that if you'd lined us up we could have told you the best five decks in the format what the ranking was and why and we did on a podcast. We did that indeed. You could have listened to. Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of us. Very proud of us for that. Well, I'm sure that we'll cover some of the other wonderful storied history of the show's year-long tenure in the questions. So why don't we just jump into those? Let's get diving in here. The first question comes from Discord user. These were all submitted in Discord, so that's where I'm reading these from. So first question comes from Mild Pro. How did CGB and Arjuna meet? So, now we we get the true origin story. So, I think you got to hear CGB's side of it. So, I'll tell you my side of it, and then I'll tell you why it's kind of coincidental here. So, believe it or not, even though I was like a rabid consumer 
of ma- of magic podcast content. I've probably listened to more magic podcasts than anyone except CGB. So I, I was huge on on magic podcast content. I was also definitely watching Twitch somewhat uh, to kind of check in on stuff. But I had this massive blind spot on YouTube. So like. Apart from watching the occasional MTG Goldfish video, or like I was enjoying Saffron Olive's videos, and apart from that, I was just completely blissfully unaware of people making content on YouTube. So I actually discovered CGB on Twitch of all places, which just seems really odd when you think about the probability. And it was the Theros Beyond Death pre-release event, and I just I was just kind of like cruising through different people's channels and i noticed the cgb was playing this epic mono blue devotion deck man i just love that deck like that deck was so cool and cgb was just owning people with it and i remember popping into the chat and just like asking for the deck list and cgb was like oh yeah he like diverted what he was doing to pull it up and chat with me about it and i was just like man this guy's great Oh, God. No, you're setting a standard I can't live up to. You got so lucky. And on a release day, I did that? That doesn't sound like me. Yeah. I, it, it was, I was just like, man, this streamer dude is super cool, and he's being really nice to me. Oh, no. So, you know, so we talked about the deck list for a while, and then a week or two went by, saw CGB's channel a few more times, and I was kind of revving up the podcast at that time. So I was like, huh, I wonder if CGB would be interested in being on the show. So I reached out to him via his Twitch DMs, which are also probably the least reliable way to get in touch with him. And he just happened to get my message. And he was like, follow up with me literally anywhere else. And Yep. <laughs> yep. Now that sounds like me. Yep. That's, that's me. Yep. <laughs> so I think I disc I messaged him on Discord and I was like, hey, you know, I run this podcast. Would you like to be on it? And he was like, actually, I know about your podcast. And yes, I'd love to be on it. And that was like a head explode moment for me. Okay, like I was getting some number of hundreds of downloads an episode and stuff. But I just I felt like no one knew about my podcast. And so here was CGB who just spontaneously discovered it. So I feel like it was basically a series a very, very improbable event that led to the two of us actually connecting. That mono blue devotion deck and all of its glory, one of my finer pre-release, and me actually being nice to someone in chat. <laughs> it may never happen again. It, it probably won't. My my fans are snickering. They know. They know. <laughs> right? So anyway, that, so that was wonderful. But, you know, the moment that CGV was actually on the episode, the chemistry was evident. And I think it was only a matter of time before we would end up producing more content together. And yeah, my side of it is predictable from that point. Uh, just and, and kind of what I already alluded to, just really excited to do the show, really excited to be invited back, really excited to get to do it every week. Awesome, dude. Love it, love it, love it. Moving on, question from Ultimate EDH. Both of you, what are your favorite decks slash formats from Magic's history and why did you love them? So I just did a lot of talking CGB, so why don't I ship that question to you? My answer to this always sounds a lot like a cop-out, and it will appear as a cop-out, but it is the 100% truth. Anybody who asks me my favorite deck, format, or anything like that, the answer is always the next one. 
because there is nothing I love in Magic the Gathering more than the first opportunity to play with new cards in a new format. If you can make it better, add in a rotation. Um, I know that that's not really answering the question, but I don't really have an answer to the question. If you were to say, what did you think of Kaladesh Amonkhet Standard? I'd have some thoughts. But like as far as ranking them, I just don't do it. I'm My eye is always on the future. I always can't wait to see and play with new cards. So it's a cop-out answer, but it's the truth. I don't spend a lot of time living in the in the past when it comes to magic and 20 some years into playing the game. It's weird to look back at where we where we've come from and all the things that have come and gone in magic, but the fact that I'm still that excited for the future, I I just lean into it. Why not? You know, if you if you have something you love in the game, just stick with it for sure. Dude, it's cool. You're the David Bowie of magic, you know? You're just always looking forward. Uh, yeah yeah that's me david bowie you could also say i'm a space oddity (laughs) you you indeed are a space oddity and and we love you for it my answer to this question it's actually kind of funny because when i think about my favorite formats they are actually some of the more busted ones in recent years i i came back around the release of shadows over innistrad and i do have to say that standard was pretty epic at that time we had the the uh, bent company decks going around which i think were kind of the contemporary version of the eye grown deck that no one wanted to play against but you know we had these sweet like green white tokens decks archangel avison was just tearing stuff up i feel like that whole format between shadows over innistrad and the release of kaladesh i just thought there were just some really really cool iterations in there um, I personally love Kaladesh. It's just probably my favorite magic set in history. I love it in Limited. I loved it in Standard. Even though there were some glaring problems with the power level and the play design, I just, man, the the highest magic got for me, I think, so far was just getting that Smuggler's Copter down on turn two and just playing that game, man. I love it. such a degenerate. Oh, such I lo- a degenerate liking these banned cards there terrible game design <laughs> i'm being I'm, I'm being sarcastic in case you can't tell. Uh, I, sarcasm fully interpreted i feel like we all have like our pet band cards your card where you're like okay i know that card sucked and it was too powerful but i did really love playing with it and copter was definitely one of those for me indeed indeed i agree and can i just admit something in front of the world since since it's supposed to be a very special episode uh, we've been waiting we've been waiting I love cards that get banned. I love them before they get banned and after. I just love doing stupid magic for a while, having it get banned, and then being able to say I did it before it was banned, and then afterwards talk about how it shouldn't have been banned, or what if they unbanned it, or LOL. You know, all of it's good. It. What would we have without without cards to ban or want to get banned? <laughs> Yeah, for the record, I'm not super tilted that so many cards have needed to get banned. I'm just tilted that some of them have taken as long as they did to get banned. I'm definitely down for this cycle of, like, release an Oko, delete an Oko. I, oh yeah. So, and that takes me into my second answer here, which is that I really, really, really did love Throne of Eldraine Standard. Like, when that set was new... I had so much fun playing that set, and everyone was complaining, and uh, his magic world was in an uproar, and blah, 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 but man, I killed some Okos, I resolved some Okos, Fires was fun, it was just a really fun format, so that would be my other answer. 
yeah, uh, I, I totally respect that. I, I dig it. That that format was broken in half, and we were we were just learning how broken it was. Remember when Cat Oven was might be good? Yeah, right. When when Cat Oven was like the fourth best deck in the format. <laughs> I remember when Fires wasn't good enough to play. You know those those were the days, man. Those were the days. So okay, let's keep things moving along here. What do you get from Magic that makes you love the game? MTG Agro player. I guess I'll go first. Um, put me on the spot on this one. First of all, MTG Agro player. Your name. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that one. But um, not making you love the game. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Uh, because there is something, no matter what competitive endeavor I found myself in, whether it was school business, sports, or Magic the Gathering, one of the things that kept me involved, kept me engaged, and kept me coming back was having a rival. A good rivalry. And I think that's something about Magic, about these forces clashing, uh, whether it's you know Red Mages versus Control Mages that has been going on for so long, or whether it's Oko versus Golos in these absolutely broken environments, um, vampires versus Scapeshift. You know, um, you, there, there's always a rival. There's usually a best deck. There's usually something that we're trying to tune to beat it. There are heroes. There are villains. I mean, there. But honestly, this question is a very. I don't want to spend an hour on it, but I probably could. Because there's so many things. That's just one thing. The endless rivalries that keep me coming back for more. Magic has so much to it. It's a creative outlet. It's artistic expression. It's a way to express your personality. Like I said, it's also escapism. It's being someone that you can't be in real life. Uh, Even if that means you're that degenerate who's playing rogues in the play queue on full control, spamming emotes when your opponent takes two seconds, whatever it is. Uh, People love to draw conclusions about that, like this type of person, but magic is escapism. You get to be something that you're not, much like you do in theater. Uh, there's, There's so many great things about it that I don't know how to completely answer this question. I don't think there's a way to answer this question. Yeah, it was a good start there for sure. And I, uh, I appreciate hearing that. On my side, there's just a couple of things I want to pick out. I, again, could also spend an hour talking about how I love magic and all the reasons I love magic. But here's, the, here's a couple that really stand out to me. One of the things I love most about it is actually how adult of a game it is. And it's funny because a lot of people kind of ironically refer to magic as being a kid's card game. And it definitely can be played by kids. I mean, I started playing it when I was 10, I think. So mm-hmm. it's it's grokable by children, but but it's actually when you look at it, a lot of magic is uh, it really hasn't been that toned down for children. There's a lot of pretty gnarly things in it. There's some pretty gnarly art. It deals with some pretty um, I would say adult subject matter, deeper matters of the occult, and in it really unflinchingly in a lot of ways. And I think that. A lot of Magic's kind of uh, imitators and competitors have sought to dumb things down and kind of make them... You know, it's like one of the things that's kept me from getting more into games like Legends of Terra, for example, is that I think that game's really cool. I think it's well-designed. I think there's a lot to like about it. But there's just like this cringe 
that I feel when I fire it <laughs> yeah. up because it's yeah. just clearly aimed at like very, very young people to be appealing to them. And magic has somehow managed to maintain somewhat of like an adult bearing to me. And it's even, you know, like when I when I look at a screenshot of Magic Arena alongside a screenshot of Hearthstone, one of these looks like a kid's game and the other one doesn't. So that's that's one of my favorite things about Magic. The other thing I wanted to point out is just that there's just something really magical, quote unquote, about the formula of like stat lines, life totals, drawing a card a turn, the foundation of the game is so compelling. The The concept of I attack my opponent and I can't attack their minions and the way that the tempo lines up of games of magic, there's just something about it that's a hell of a drug. And I just haven't found another card game that has managed to replicate that kind of pacing. Games of magic just feel more exciting to me than games of just about anything else. Strong agree. Awesome. Okay, this one is targeted squarely at you, Kovac Go Blue. So get get ready. Okay. Sierkovitz, associated with 17 lands, by the way. Wonderful limited deck tracker and just cool app. If you're into limited, definitely check out 17 lands. It's really, really helpful. Sierkovitz asks, I know CGB hating limited is a bit of a trope by now, but I actually want him to more seriously analyze what is it in limited that he finds repealing. I think repellent is the word he was going for. What do you think, man? Hmm. What is it? Well, I I think a lot of people will confuse my distaste for formats limited among them as a lack of experience. So I want to get at least something out there. I played competitive limited, and I played uh, several... Pro Tour qualifiers, Grand Prix, Nationals. I, I played a lot of Limited. It's not for a lack of the experience. So for me, it's... You You talked about Limited on this podcast as every like pool of cards is like a puzzle that you're trying to solve. I don't like solving a puzzle where it's like, these are the pieces, I solved it, now I'm done with it, new puzzle like quite as rapidly i like solving a puzzle with like a pool of cards and then trying to solve the same puzzle with a different approach and solve the solution to that puzzle and so on and so forth so it's almost like a repeatability of the experience and like i don't know there that's that's part of it like what i love about standard is that it's a small card pool. You only have access to so many solutions. You can always figure out what the best threats and engines are, but you can always find try to find different ways to attack them and move them around. And of course, uh, what people call a bad standard is something with one thing that's broken, but then we have bands, which are so much fun. And <laughs> I, I just don't get that experience from Limited. Also, and then I'll give you two other things that are definitely true for me. Limited power level. When I have to play a deck with nine mountains and eight swamps, I don't feel like I'm playing the game I enjoy, you know? And and as soon as I look at my hand and I've got like a double red card and I've got three sw- basic swamps in that hand and I'm like, what is this? I, I don't want to, I don't even want to play the game. I just want to disconnect immediately looking at that hand. So 
For better or worse, the power of dual lands or flexibility in mana bases to build into part of your strategy matters a lot to me, and I can't let it go. I really can't. It, it just makes me angry to not have that, not be able to put some creativity and some selective approach into like mana base and things like that. So that's another one. And then the, the, the other big one that for me is I actually enjoy play patterns and I enjoy predictable play patterns. And I know that you're going to say in limited, there's this combat trick. And when you attack with your tutu, you have to know all the combat tricks in the format. That, that to me isn't interesting. I like play patterns with powerful cards. I like when my opponent des designs that perfect aggro curve of edge wall innkeeper, brushfire elemental, bone crusher, giant questing beast, or ember cleave, or like, I want to line up my cards against that. And the predictability has a lot to do with getting to play four copies of a card, especially at like rare and mythic power levels where you might play all day in limited and not even see the rare or the mythic. You know what I mean? I, all of these things, uh, all these things make standard and constructed right for me and limited, not what's enjoyable. That's just the way it is. That's, that's a really good breakdown. Yeah. And it's it's interesting to hear you talk specifically about the power level thing, because I remember, uh, you know, I love limited. I'm a avowed limited mage, and just about any set that comes out in limited, I'll give it a try. I don't love all of them, just because some of them are, some of the sets I don't feel are very fun in limited, but uh, I do love it as a concept. And I remember playing Jumpstart on Arena, and walking away from it after like just a handful of matches because I, it just felt really underpowered to me. And so I can relate to that feeling looking at your hand and you're like, these cards suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not looking forward to the turn of the game where I get to cast any of these cards. Yeah. It's not something I've heard people mention, but I think it's easy to get, it, it's like going at a certain speed, right? If standard speed is 45 miles per hour and modern speed is 75 miles per hour and limited speed is 35 miles per hour there's always an adjustment if you have to play a different speed and i i i just have my comfort zone i i love small standard pools and standard formats and that hasn't changed since they invented it since they called it type 2 yeah also i feel like it's just very very difficult to play a pure control game in limited so i wonder if that's <laughs> i wonder if that's been oh i've done it part of it <laughs> i've done it <laughs> which which is an achievement unto itself i i would definitely have liked to have been there do you want to do you want oh can i can i just oh you want to tell us can about i give it? you a story yeah can i yeah can i All let's right. get some old man cgb going on here it was it was inspired uh, by a tournament I was invited to but couldn't attend, which is the second Pro Tour in history in Pro Tour Los Angeles. The winner of that Pro Tour drafted five copies of Gaseous Form. Do you know what this card does? Two in a blue aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature cannot deal or receive damage. Okay, so it's uh, it's a remove your creature card. Yeah, it's, it's a fog on a creature, but it's yeah. also like an infinite blocker. Yeah. And when I saw that, I immediately, like at every draft or sealed I could do, just started drafting like every single gaseous form and just make all their creatures suck, draft circles of protection, easy, oh, and then watch their library expire. <laughs> yep. The old classic control strategy of your opponent dying by old age. 
Gotta love it. <laughs> yes. I Not afraid to pull it out in limited. Indeed, indeed. So moving along here, Squirp asks, oh, this, this is a fun question, CGB. I think you will enjoy answering this question. If Watsy put you in charge for a day, what would you change? It won't be... I, I think most people will be disappointed with my answer to this. I think most people won't like it. I would probably not change anything. I, I know. That I, okay. Part of it is that I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. Because for some reason, that's not the way my brain works. Trying to figure out what I would change about like things that... I, I, I'm more like I get on the bus and I take the ride instead of I contemplate how the driver should be handling the situation. Um, and Magic is a bus I've been riding for a really long time. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe if you had asked me this a while ago, if you had asked me this in Meridian Block when Skull Clamp was printed, maybe I'd have had a lot of bile and things to say, you know? As it is, I've gotten to meet people who work at Wizards of the Coast. I've also gotten to learn a lot about how this game interacts with people and how people interact with the things that they love, especially once you get the internet involved. And I've gotten to learn about just all kinds of things. And for the most part, I I prefer to keep riding the bus. I want them to do what they do pretty well, which is they continue to in ways that are hard to always understand, delight and surprise their audience. It's not always pleasant, but it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be nothing but feels goods. It's supposed to be uh, hits and misses. It's supposed to be frustration and agony so that there's also like joy and happiness on the other side. Um, so I've learned a proper respect for when I'm frustrated. That is not always a bug. Sometimes it's a feature. And I like to sit back and enjoy the ride, if that makes sense. Honestly, if there's something I would change for sure, I'd just make sure that nobody there had Twitter accounts, man. <laughs> just, just don't read. Don't read it. Because, man, I, the, the idea that they need more feedback, I don't think that it could possibly be correct. I, I think they have endless amounts of feedback and i think a lot of it is either completely uninformed or completely unfair and they're not afraid to get personal and as a person who has hundreds of comments a day about various things about me many of which completely miss the point and some that do get personal that has a very negative effect over time and i i know some people who, who have worked for wizards and work at wizards and i know it's affected them and I, I don't think people realize the cumulative effect of what they call honest criticism and feedback has on individuals. It's not as simple as compartmentalizing it into doing figuring out how to do a better job. It's impossible not to take a lot of these things uh, as a reflection of maybe not you personally, but as your profession, absolutely. And it wears you down. And there is a certain confidence in building these things, in building these awesome games, in building these structures around the game, in building this content around the game, that we need them to feel like they can go do something awesome or we can't expect them to do something awesome. Uh, so I, I guess the thing I would change the most is, and I don't know if this needs changing, I don't work there, but I would definitely make sure that people felt 
empowered to build the game they want to build and we will adjust and figure it out from there because uh I, I think that they have to have confidence and they have to be inspired to do great things. That's what I've learned about leading people in business. Anyway, I don't know if that was disappointing. I'd love to hear your answer. Yeah, it was just a, a very uh, mature adult answer from the CGB, so I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> not that I expected any different. Okay, so if I was put in charge for a day at WOTC, one thing I definitely know I would do right off the bat is like hire some more developers for MTG Arena. Without knowing anything about what happens behind the scenes at WOTC, I just feel like that's a good business move. Hire some more developers for Arena, fix some of these silly little bugs. Why am I still getting put into the play queue after a ranked match when I hit play? Like, why is that still happening? Why can I still not select my default land art? Just very basic stuff. Why is importing and exporting from Arena still so annoying sometimes? Why do I still get these stupid error messages that I feel like simple programming could avoid? That kind of a thing. I can get behind these, to be fair. I'd see. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to see a little bit more of that. Granted, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I just feel like let's get a few more professional grade salaries together here. Let's hire a couple more people and let's just bang out some of these bugs that I feel like have been kind of preventing Arena from being the best program it could be. Another thing is that I do feel like uh, Wizards has made a number of blunders on the, what I would call like the, the soft skills side of the spectrum. So I think that the hard skills of developing a good and compelling game, they're doing really well at. I think the soft skills part of it, which is things like not messing up your canon, <laughs> things like like if you follow any of the storyline stuff that's been happening in the past year, they've kind of totally botched it. Granted, like I'm not a big Vorthos and I don't think that you are either, CGB, and so it's not like super near and dear to my heart. But I just know that like a lot of people have felt really betrayed by some of the narrative directions that Watsi have taken in the last year. And so, you know, I'd probably want to have a fairly realistic conversation with whoever makes those decisions about just, you know, trying to improve that. Because Magic clearly has so many cool creative inputs, and there are so many interesting characters that can be featured in the game. And I just think that we want to let these natural romances play out. You know what I'm saying? I think I, I think I know what you're saying. <laughs> and I, I agree 100% that I would like to see story manage if i had to predict knowing what i know from business what's going on with story is too many cooks in a kitchen could be yeah i i I believe when you see a story take the kind of turns and a department and basically a a section of the company which is what story really should be but honestly might be a cubicle in the back corner uh when you see the the twists and turns of that it does feel like too many people have too many agendas for the story team i guess what i would do if i were in that situation is get everybody out of the story team who's not the freaking story team and make sure there are people who are passionate about telling great stories in charge of that yeah totally agree totally agree and then the final thing is just i've heard a lot of rumblings about how wizards hiring isn't as as inclusive as it could be you know, just kind of a number of depressing stories on that front. And so I would want to just look into that a little bit. I would just want to see what was actually going on and whether those claims were true. And 
what would need to be done to address that, if anything. But that's I'm I'm really speaking from inexperience there, so you know I don't really want to go deep on talking about stuff that I myself don't know about. But I would investigate that. I would investigate that for sure. Good idea. Okay. All right. Next question here. CGB asked by Plasma Python. If you got to design your own card, what would it be? Oh, man. I See, this is why I'm no good at these episodes, because my answers are almost always the same. Uh, I wouldn't. I, <laughs> I want to be surprised. I don't want to design <laughs> cards. I want to play cards. Um, I... I, dude, I've learned I've learned the joy that is getting getting myself out of the out of my own way and just uh, learning to enjoy what I do have and kind of I think that's why maybe this will answer another question in the future preemptively but I think that's why I can make a different standard deck every day when most people get bored with the format in three weeks I I've really just learned how to in, immerse myself in these things and enjoy the ride not to. I don't spend time trying to come up with how to build a magic card. I, I don't. I don't even... It doesn't even cross my mind. Okay. I've designed a magic card. Are you ready? Okay. Cool. Okay. Grandmaster Covert Go Blue. <laughs> okay. One blue blue. Human wizard. Two two. And Covert Go Blue Grandmaster has the text... Tap, counter target spell, return covert go blue grandmaster to its owner's hand. Yes, we it doesn't did it. have haste or flash. <laughs> or... No, it doesn't have haste. Nope. No, no, no. It's a Un- it's, it's a, unplayable garbage. It's dude. a slow boil, man. It's a slow <laughs> it's boil. Un- unplayable trash. <laughs> no, man. This this is a this is a slow cooker, man. This is nope. gonna get banned nope. in multiple formats, CGB. Not not really, no. But I... <laughs> how about tap to counter target question? <laughs> counter target question. I like tap it. to deflect target inquiry from the audience. <laughs> that's that's it. Kovaka Blue, master of deflection. I like it. All now right, we're that's talking. that's my that's my contribution for the day. Jay Silve, uh, wonderful content creator Jay Silve, writer for Channel Fireball, also mod of the Reddit Spikes community and just overall cool dude and a previous guest on the show. Jay Silve asks, "Who was your favorite guest and CGB doesn't count?" So Good thing. I, be, be too easy of a question. <laughs> yeah, right. Slam dunk. Um, I, I'll I'll let you go first on this, CGB. Who is your favorite guest as a listener for this show? Oh man. Well, the episode I listen the most closely to, and I hope I'm not stealing yours, uh, Aaron Gertler right after mm. winning DreamHack, and it wasn't because I liked him or his deck. <laughs> it's because Just for the I, record, Aaron. All right. Oh, it, it it's because I do like Aaron. Uh, he, he made it up to me later. Um, but it's because I recognized that Teamer Adventure deck was the end of my beloved blue-white control in that format. Mm. And I needed all the information I could get to see if there was any salvaging the situation. But it was clear after that podcast that it was not the way. And that the blue-white control that Paulo Vito Damaderosa won the world championship with just a few weeks prior was dead and gone at the hands of Lucky Clover, Aaron Gertler, and his mob of adventure nonsense. 
You know, it's funny actually because I will say that when I go back, I think it's it was probably Aaron Gertler for me as well. And one of the reasons for that is just that he was the very first guest on the very first episode of the show. And so that's very, very special for me. And also, I just think he was a great guest. He he does so well what I enjoy doing on this show, which is just like going deep and geeking hard. Yeah. Getting really nitty gritty. And so to that end, I would also lump in Rint as well. Mm-hmm. He's another, uh, you know, Maxim... Another one of my favorite guests for the same reason. I just love talking decks with people who've been spending months building them. It's just one of the most satisfying things for me. I'd like to do a little bit more of that on the podcast. I just like, I haven't had another one of these kind of a deck auteurs step forward, so to speak. When's our our four-hour blue-white control? Come uh, on! With Mistman? Let's go! (laughs) Hey, hey, that hurts. (laughs) It's it's kind of like when kids ask, why don't kids get a kid's day, right? Because we have a Mother's Day and a Father's Day. Why don't the kids get a kid's day, right? And the parents are like, well, that's the other 363 days out of the year. That's you, CGB. I, I, fail, I, fail, I fail to see the point you're trying to make. Just as a good child would not recognize the lack of a kid's day. Master of deflection strikes again. <laughs> Shout out to, to Jay Silve. He was an excellent guest on the show. I also want to say Danny West was very fun because uh, yeah, it was dude. one of the complainiest episodes I've ever heard from you. And I kind of, I'm still looking for that. I, I never get that, Arjuna. Like, you and I seem to have a lot of fun. I, it's been a long time since, like, I've heard you have just a good rant-out anger episode like you did about Elspeth Conker's death <laughs> and your episode with Danny West. And on that um, note, I also want to shout out Danny T. Law as one of my good friends. And I really appreciate having him on the show he would probably be my favorite guest if I didn't talk to him so often. There's a kind of a novelty there, you know what I mean? But I think he's a really cool guy, and I like his work, and I, yeah, I, I want to make sure he gets a shout-out here, too. Yeah, Danny T's sick, man. When I, The more I think about it, the more wonderful guests I remember that we've had on the show. Brian Gottlieb was an amazing episode. Absurd, Absurd Heroine, Heroine was a really good, yeah, really good episode. One, yeah, one of my favorites, and... Just honestly, one of my favorite people to talk to in the magic space. Go check her out. Absurd Heroine. She does amazing YouTube content. Just like super spicy brews, super colorful, wonderful video maker, wonderful content creator, wonderful deck builder, and just a wonderful human being. So yeah, really, really pleased I get to call her a friend. Death Sea. Death Sea was on the, like, the the thing about the Death Sea interview is I just kept nodding my head because it felt like he was going through so many of the same things I go through with content. It was a very, and I'd never really had a conversation with him before, but it was so much fun. Man, you know, magic players are cool. Yeah. Content creators are cool people. I'm just continually blown away by the people that I meet in this space. So good job. Good job. If we didn't mention you, it's not because we didn't love you as a guest. Okay, let's keep moving along here. Uh, Interesting question. I wonder if this lands for you, CGB. What's some of your favorite MTG artwork and why? Asked by Judea. All right, this this one definitely falls into the, the category of questions I've answered a few hundred times, but I actually enjoy this one. Um, the answer is Nightmare, oh, the original. Sick, sick artwork, yeah. Melissa Benson's art, and it's for a very, a very niche reason. Of course, I loved the card. 
I didn't play cards that weren't black for my first year and a half of playing Magic. My first deck was well over 100 cards and contained nine copies of Nightmare and three Demonic Tutors and a bunch of Drain Lice and Nivenril's Disc and everything else. And the only lands were Swamps. I mean, that was my very, very early days of Magic. Black was by far my favorite color at first. And I went to a convention and I don't remember where it was. It might have been Origins in Columbus, Ohio. And Melissa Benson was there, and she had a booth. And, like, there was nobody there. There was no line. There was no one else. What? I, she's just chilling with some guy. And, she, and, and there's a big, huge, framed, poster-sized nightmare. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I had never, I, hadn't, I had only gotten a card signed before on one occasion, and it was by Richard Garfield, and that's a whole other story. Sick. But I was like, I've got nine nightmares. I wonder if she'll sign my nightmares. And my mom was like, I'm sure that, you know, you have to pay her or something like that. And I just went up to her, and I, I, I was so shy and I was so scared, and I pulled out a binder, you know. Now remember, I had nine nightmares. I just opened the first page of the binder. And it was just and it all was, nightmares. It was just all nightmares. <laughs> it was the first page. And she just looked at it, and she looked at me, and she you could tell, like, she was, like, just wanted to cry. That the front first page of this kid's binder was all nightmare. And she signed every single wow, one of them Wow, what a hero. Free. What a hero. That's so cool, man. The, the, the artists of MTG, you can appreciate them as much as you want, and they're still chronically underappreciated. They just bring such a deep amount to this game. You know, so much of the card is the art, and so much of the attachment that you form to the cards comes from the art, and that really can't be overstated. So, yeah, that's really awesome. My The first artist I remember really loving in Magic the Gathering, and this goes way back, one of the original artists, Anson Maddox. Yes, Force of Will. Oh, dude, he t- <sighs> like, Anson, all right. Here's just a couple of the cards that you may you may remember from Magic's history that Anson Maddox has illustrated. Sengir Vampire, the original Sengir Vampire. Animate Dead, one of my all-time favorite artworks. Lanawar Elves, the original frickin' Lanawar Elf was a badass-looking mohawk elf illustrated by Anson Maddox. He also did Disintegrate, which is just like one of the most classic like D&D style artworks you'll ever see. And if I had to pick one that totally won me over in my 10-year-old playing Magic self, it was Lure, the Enchantment Lure, which is this golden apple with a skull reflected in it. And this artwork was designed, it, it had to be designed to be something that would be fascinating to look at. And this art just delivered so hard for me. I had a copy of this card. Plus, I just loved it. I love the whole lore basilisk stupid thing you could do in green. So, yeah, one of my all-time favorite cards and artworks. Green removal. Green <laughs> yeah, removal. green removal. Yeah, this was back before we had... Uh, I don't know. I don't even want to go into it. Back before green had everything. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. Ans- Simple times. Anson Maddox, shout out. You know, there's so much MTG art that I love, but he's really the... He's, he's the start, the middle, and the finish of, of my favorite magic art. Did you have any additional things you wanted to say there, CGB, or should I keep moving along? I was trying to... I, I might be wrong on the Force of Will thing. Oh. Now, now my, was, I was might have been thinking him? of, like, Arcane Denial might be what I was thinking of. Mm, okay. But that's all. It, you know, they'll tell me if I'm wrong. It's fine. Just check YouTube comments. They've got this. 
<laughs> they'll they'll get you. They'll get you. Let's let's answer this technical question. I think it's kind of interesting. Aces Full Moon sixty four asks: When a new set releases, what process do you guys use to brew new decks? Do you start with threats, then fill around that? Or answers first, then threats? Do you brew with current meta in mind, or do you try to project the new meta and brew decks for that meta? I think you're an excellent person to answer this question, CGB. So how do you go about about approaching this? Uh, thanks. It, it depends on the deck, and it depends on the card and the idea. So I, uh, an aggro deck like built around maybe a new tribe if elves are pushed in the next set or something like that. I don't want to take the meta into account very much. I just want to build the most powerful one, two, three, four curve and try to make it consistent. Just do your own thing. Don't worry about the meta and see how far you can push that synergy. Um, If I see something like Dream Trawler, that's clearly a control finisher, then you have to consider the meta a lot. You want to run the best answers and things that you think will answer the most popular cards in the format. If it's a combo, I don't. I want to ignore the meta entirely. I want to make the leanest, most efficient version of the combo deck designed to do the combo as often as I possibly can. So the answer is that it depends on what you're building around and what you're trying to build. Also, your goals. Are, are you trying to win a big tournament? early in a format, yes, you should have the meta in mind. Are you trying to get Arjuna of the ArenaCraft podcast to notice you in a pre-release stream because you're playing something totally radical that other people haven't caught on to? Then go linear. Don't worry about the meta. Build something powerful. Look for the things that work together and try not to get caught in the trap of all blue decks up until this set play this card, so I must play this card too. Um, don't be afraid to try things that are completely new and look weird. Um, because I, I can't tell you how many times people told me that mono blue devotion deck should have card X, Y, or Z. And I was like, mm. but then it's not a combo deck. You're, you're missing that. I'm trying to build a combo deck, not a blue value deck or a blue control deck. Right. So, um, yeah, it depends on your goals and it depends what you want to happen, but really, yeah. Depends a lot. What do you think? This this is going to be my answer. This is kind of one of my my broader, more meta answers for this game, which is that when I I think when you look at decks in Magic, a lot of decks in Magic are built around one key concept. Not all of them, but a lot of the new decks worth exploring in a new meta are built around one idea. So I'm going to give you an example. Um, a lot of the busted cards in, in these recent formats give us a clue about this. For example, Wilderness Reclamation. The concept of Wilderness Reclamation was that you could use your mana twice, and sometimes you could double your mana if you were doing things at instant speed at the precise end of your turn. And so what those decks did was they took this concept we have one card which which gives us mana on our opponent's turn and or doubles our mana and they basically constructed the deck backwards from there right so all the decisions that were made to build that deck were just to prop up and enhance what the the core concept of the deck and it's really interesting to think about how if you go back and examine some of those deck lists 
for Wilderness Reclamation, they're some of the leanest deck lists you've ever seen. You read through the deck list and you're just like, this deck kind of feels like nothing. It kind of feels like there's not very much going on. There's so few heavy hitters in the deck. There's so kind of, it's lacking a lot of the typical earmarks that you think of of a powerful deck. But the, the one core concept was so strong for that card and for that deck that it allowed you to generate an entire plan around it and and kind of uh, leverage other busted cards that weren't immediately game ending, such as Growth Spiral, which, you know, like, that, that was one of the best Growth Spiral decks that ever existed, was that standard Wilderness Reclamation deck. And so I just, I love stuff like that. I mean, of course, another good example is Fires of Invention, right? That's another key concept. And the concept is, what deck would I build if I could resolve two spells a turn without having to pay for them? And that was a deck that allowed us to exploit cards that otherwise would have seen no play at all in standard, such as the Red Cavalier. So when when I'm looking at new cards and new matters, I'm looking at the new cards that we're given, and I'm thinking about like what concept do these cards give us access to that we didn't have access to before? And what can we do with that? Now, there are cards that are clearly not concept cards. They're answer cards, such as Scavenging Ooze, really good example. No one builds like four-color ooze, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think that, you know, p part of the new meta is just thinking about you, you earmark these cards that are clearly answers. And I think to answer one of your specific questions, I think most brewers probably don't think about answers first. I think it's usually concepts and threats first. Sickos like me, man. <laughs> yeah, sickos yeah, sickos like, like CGB, right? But I think, I think the first part of a format is usually like concepts and threats. And I think that the deeper you go into the format, the more answers make their way into decks. The more you see decks that look like just a long list of answers to the format. Like the blue-black control, a great example in the current mm -hmm. meta, which you just didn't see at the beginning of Zendikar Rising as much anyway. Shall we move on? Good answer. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, okay, we're getting down to it here. So I just want to make sure there's a few questions that we that we get to here. Kalibian asks to both of you, what's your favorite hobby besides Magic the Gathering? I'm really curious uh, to hear this, CGB, because, you know, I know that you're a multifaceted human being. Yeah, what? But, <laughs> but when I think about CG, like what does CGB do when the stream turns off? It's just more magic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, CGB plays magic, swims in a lake, takes a daily walk around the neighborhood, hangs out with his dogs, hangs mm -hmm. out with his wife, yes, and plays more magic. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. What else? All right, is that you answered the question? I mean, are is, we done? Is that it? <laughs> we, can okay, we move okay. on now? I'll I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. When I need something in my life that is not magic, when I need to decompress in a different way, I it's a two-faceted approach. I go into the spare bedroom. I draw all the curtains. I, I, I light a very small lamp, and I power up this thing in the corner called an Xbox 360. And I play a game from the deep, deep past that has kept me company on many a lonely night from, uh, for, for many, many years. It's called NCAA Football 
2013. <gasps> and I, I, I'm in year, I'm in year like 2055 of my dynasty. I've won something like 70 national championships. Okay, that's an exaggeration. Uh, I, I, I've lost like five games in about, you know, 30 years. <laughs> It never winning never gets old for Kovac Go Blue. Let me tell you. And uh, the the other the other side of the approach is while I play this this football game that I'm destined to win by fifty to a hundred points, I'm listening to various books on Audible, uh, usually uh, a Stephen King novel or a Jack Reacher novel. For some reason, that combination of things can take me out of all kinds of bad head spaces and just amplify good ones help me sleep at night when i need to sleep but there you go ncaa football 2013 and stephen king or lee child novels love it how much a part of your life these days would you say improv is like theater improv if that was something that you had access to or you had a good community with that would you be involved in theater still the answer is no I appreciate everything I learned from theater, but I came to recognize very quickly after college that a majority of what I loved about it was the people I got to do it with. And I'm just not good at building those bonds. I think I'm a very socially awkward person. I don't know how to keep lasting friendships in a lot of ways. And a lot of the reasons that I made those friends in college is because they knew that about me and put up with me anyway and loved telling me when I was being weird, awkward, or obnoxious. And it was almost a game to them to socialize me uh, as a kid from a small town uh, in, in the big city going to college. So I miss them. I think they'd be proud. And I think that they would tell me that I, I am engaging in theater for anybody who's watched my streams, that I very much am, am engaged, have engaged my theater muscles to this day. But I'm not interested in going out and trying to be in a show and or trying to work as a, a, a producer or assistant director. I, I am deeply, deeply entrenched in Magic the Gathering, in content, in entertaining my fans. I I wake up these days with two thoughts. One, did the puppy have an accident? And two, how am I going to entertain my fans today? And uh, I, I like it that way. If I had to memorize lines for a production on top of that, it would be such a distant priority. It may as well not be there. Yeah. Well, that's that's awesome. I definitely know that your theatricality comes out every day that I see you making content. So I appreciate that it gets to live on in its ideal form. As for myself, I'm one of these people with too many hobbies. So picking a favorite one would just be the question doesn't even really compute for me. I'm like, I can has favorites. So one of my longest standing loves in my life has been music. I was raised in a musical environment. I've been playing musical instruments since I was born. The instrument that I have probably spent the most time playing and, and have the most mastery over is the drums. I am one of those people who like, you always know a drummer because when they're looking in the fridge or when they're brushing their teeth or when they're whatever, they're like hammering something out. There's all like, there's always a rhythm happening for a drummer. And so that's me. Um, definitely played and listened to an incredible amount of music throughout my life. Uh, let's see what other hobbies, favorite hobbies. 
I do like long walks around the neighborhood. <laughs> I think that's something you and I share. CGB. Podcast time, man. Podcast yeah, time. Dude. If I don't get a good walk in on a day, then it's just not as good of a day as it could have been. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a very literary person. I have written a lot of poetry in my life. I actually, when I went to college, I was aspiring to be a writer. I was kind of working towards getting a degree in creative writing before I busted up out of there and started working as an audio engineer. So those are like the two big creative hobby pursuits of my life is writing and music. Nice, dude. Those are good ones. Now podcasting. Yep. Now yeah. podcasting. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's how I want to go out here. Okay. I'm springing this on you, all right? Okay. I want to go out with us each asking each other a question about the other that we've been curious about or that we would like to know, all right? So Serious? Serious questions? Any question. Any question. All right. Here's, here's my question for you, CGB. This will show you how serious or not serious it needs to be, okay? Okay. You don't have to give me the specific details, but I get the impression that you are very tall. Is that true? <laughs> um, I, just a bit above average, tall enough that the ladies, the average lady can wear heels and I'm still taller, the important stuff. I don't know if it's the camera angle or something, but every time I see you move, like stand up, and every time I see you walking around, you just walk and move like an extremely large person. It It, it is not an accident <laughs> <laughs> how the camera is situated. Um, there are a lot of studies that tall people get advantages, and other YouTubers that I've met in person's first comment has been, oh my God, you're tall. But I'm not like six foot eight or anything like that okay uh, comfortable six one ish okay all right yeah that's yeah little little bit taller than myself i am hovering right around six foot tall yeah see we're about the same height but you see how i'm shot and how i carry myself with that oh yeah tall dude in charge confidence the the film is definitely that the camera angle is a, a setup to enhance the effect all right so that was my super superficial question for you, CGB. What question do you have for the Arjuna man? It's not as silly. I feel like I've told my own story of getting into magic or the times I've tried to compete at magic, but I want to know, was there a time in your life where you went after competitive magic with the full brute strength and power of your will? Or, if not, why not? Mm, that's a really great question. And I think it's one that every content creator in the magic space has to come up against eventually. So the answer is no, I have not fully devoted myself to the pursuit of competitive magic. It is something that in theory, I would like to do at some point. Um, I believe it or not, I am actually very fiercely competitive. And one of the things that I love about magic is that it's a really healthy place for me to channel my competitive nature. And as anyone who like on my local, in my local draft pod knows, or people who like play me at the local shop will know, I want to win. I'm one of those people who sits down at the pre-release playing for basically nothing. And like, I want to win. I want to take it down. So I do have that about me. I think I've honestly spent the last handful of years learning how to play magic. 
which is a funny thing for me to say because I've been playing since I was 10, like I said. But the, the first go around in your childhood for most people, including myself, was fairly casual. So I feel like I picked up the basics. I feel like I have an intuitive feeling of the game because of that. There was a lot of groundwork I didn't need to lay in coming back to the game this time around. But having said that, there's just still a lot of learning to actually get good at magic. And so I feel like I've spent the last handful of years becoming a competent player. I think if I were to aspire to be a really competitive player, I would have to devote an amount of time and effort to the game, which I have not yet. Uh, part of it's just that I, yeah, maybe it's just that I'm kind of a balanced person. And if I start spending too much of my life doing one thing, then I can sometimes feel like it throws me out of whack. And I do think that in order to be the best magic player you can be, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. So I'm not sure that I'm willing to make the sacrifices that it would require to be the best magic player I could be. Having said that, I think if I were to throw myself more fully into it, it would probably be on the back of my content creation career. I think that growing my content to a certain point would probably enable me to, you know, do things like actually get paid for playing magic, i.e. having patrons or supporters on Twitch, stuff like that, which would probably incentivize me to play more. You know, one of the challenges has just been that I already, I, I run my own business uh, in internet marketing and I spend a lot of time in front of the computer. And so it can be sometimes hard to like sit back down and grind out four hours of competitive magic after doing that. So that's, that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question. But the, the short answer is I would love at some point in my life to make a go of it. And we'll see how the next handful of years pans out. If, if I continue going deep into the world of magic and if certain stars align to support me in just like really, really playing a lot more magic, then I'd definitely love to try. Cool. I I hope that if that's something that you want, that you get the opportunity to do it. I will say that it's totally possible to do that thing and then end up where we're at today, which is still a curious student, a fan of the game, with a lot to share with other players, but uh, not necessarily with an... un. It does... Honestly, this is something that struck me a lot hanging out with pro players. The unbalancing is extreme. It often just doesn't feel like there's conversation or like there's anything going on that doesn't have to do with magic. And as a person who plays magic full time and is very deep into magic, that feels weird to walk away from a conversation being like, wow, they talk about magic a lot. <laughs> Yeah. But it's true. Um, it, it, the 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 competitive side, that path can be all-consuming, and it's definitely not for everybody. I've been a lot happier since I came out, but I'm always grateful that I, I gave myself the chance. So if that's something you decide you want, I hope you do. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'd, I would at least like to, you know, I'd like to make a run at a GP, or I'd like to participate in some level of tournament and get some level of somewhere because I, I think I'm capable of it. And, you know, I would like to explore the depths of my capability, but it, it definitely would require just getting a lot more serious about the game. And I would probably have to training montage 
for a for a year to actually <laughs> stop making the silly mistakes, uh, pay enough attention to the game, get my head in the right mindset enough to to really level up enough to do that. So we'll see if it's happening. You will hear about it here first. Awesome. That's going to do it for this wonderful year anniversary episode of the Arena Craft Podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions. We we literally just scraped the surface of the number of people who submitted questions, and I couldn't be more grateful to all of you. Thanks so much for showing up, for blowing up our Discord, blowing up the questions channel. I hope this has been fun for you, and I apologize if you're looking forward to having your question read but didn't have it read. I'll look for other opportunities to get some of those answered because you guys asked some really fantastic questions. All right, CGB, thanks so much for being, uh, you know, for joining me on this journey and looking forward to many, many more episodes to come. And I'm excited to get back in next week to talking about, guess what? Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Congrats on a year, man. Thanks, buddy. A whole freaking year, 52 freaking episodes very very cool it's been a good time all right you can continue to find the arena craft podcast in most of the good places you can find us on spotify we're on itunes we're on youtube i occasionally stream on twitch cgb streams weekly on twitch so uh, go look for him there and also he's on youtube go look for his stuff there okay cgb hope you have a good weekend and i'll catch you next week later oh and by the way Listen to the Mountain in the Sideboard song. Don't. And Turn it off. It's over. And We're bask, done. bask in CGB's no. ruin we and finished. shame. No. no, we finished. We finished the show. It's game five in the final minute. It's going well, I'm about to win it CGB, he's feeling blue That's because he never knew I had a mountain in the sideboard He never knew I was splashing it Mountain in the sideboard I wish it out, then I'm smashing it Travels and I'm playing it cool Flipping cards like I'm skipping school You never knew I was such a tool But I gotta make him look the fool I had a mountain in the sideboard He never knew I was splashing it Mountain in the sideboard I wish it out, then I'm smashing it. Mountain in the sideboard. He never knew I was splashing.